This is Clutch Fans. And by the way, shout out to the Clutch fans. You're listening to the Clutch Fans Podcast, an open conversation for Houston Rockets diehards. Houston Rockets is unbeatable. <laughs> Now, here's your host, the man who would have drafted Harold Miner over Robert Ory, Dave Hardesty. They get it done. The Houston Rockets win game five by a score of 103 to 94 here at the Toyota Center. A huge win for the Houston Rockets. Uh, They win the series against the Dallas Mavericks, a hated rival, four games to one, and get their first series win since 2009, only their second in the last 18 seasons. Very big uh, accomplishment for the Rockets uh, in a very tough conference. I'm here with my good friend M.K. Bauer, the legendary M.K. Bauer. (laughs) Thank you, my man, for for coming on. This was uh, really an ugly game, but it was such a big game for the Rockets. Yeah, it was interesting watching them finally play defense after taking a couple games off defensively in Dallas. And and it was pretty clear that was an emphasis from both Kevin McHale and the players themselves in terms of let's get back to who we were as a team for the balance of the regular season. I think people kind of lose sight of the fact that they have been a pretty strong defensive team throughout the course of the year, really kind of approached that side of the court with vigor and intensity, and it kind of waned a little bit. I thought they fell into a trap of thinking, hey, we can beat Dallas at their own game with ease, and, and they did so in game three. They did not do so in game four. Tonight, they, they kind of got their focus back on that side of the court, and I think it played a significant role in how the game was played and how it unfolded. Yeah, I think this, as as a fan, somebody who was pretty wrapped up in the game, I was, uh, I think, the most stressed watching this game than any of the other games in the series. I felt the Rockets were very sloppy, especially in the first half. Fifteen turnovers in the first half alone, MK. That's just disgusting. Unbelievable. And it, and yet they were up six at half, which was unbelievable, especially considering their free throw shooting, I believe, at that time was four of 11 from the line, something disgusting as well. Um, and it, it kind of shows you this team's got a lot of talent, but it's got some flaws. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of positives to talk about tonight, but, I mean, I, I, they are still alive. They are advancing to the, to the Western Conference semifinals, uh, and there's some sort of uh, problems that you can definitely see right now with the team. It's interesting that you say that because I think you and I clearly felt the same way about the way the game was unfolding by halftime with the nine missed free throws, the 17 fouls, the 15 turnovers. But I think maybe my opinion has been changed a little bit by hearing Kevin McHale talk post game and him making a point of it's not easy. You know, close like games in a postseason are not easy. They're difficult. You know, he mentioned that sometimes the basket gets a little bit smaller. You know, sometimes the basketball feels like it's square, it's round. All these things kind of come into play. And for a team that had lost a franchise, that had lost in the first round in eight of his last nine postseason appearances, for a squad led by James Harden that had lost in the first round two consecutive seasons, you know, I think there was a hump to get over, and Dallas was not going to make it easy. Look, I understand that the Mavericks have lost four consecutive postseason series, but by and large, the core of this team was still responsible for winning a championship in 2011. They were not going to lay down. And I think we both recognize that the Rockets were the better team. I picked the Rockets to win the series in five games before the, season, the series started. But I still recognize the fact that Dallas is going to fight them tooth and nail. So let's give the Mavericks a little bit of credit tonight for making the game difficult for the Rockets. Let's give the Rockets some credit for persevering and getting over some ugly play in the first half and finding ways to make plays on the stretch when they have to make those plays. 
You know, I, and I briefly, uh, I, I want to talk a, l- a little later as well about the, the Mavericks. It's uh, interesting to see where that team goes. It's a team with a lot of pride, a team that has to win now. Uh, but they're definitely, uh, I think the writing's on the wall for a transition for that team. Um, I want to talk to you just, uh, well, first of all, on that fourth quarter, I think we saw a great moment where James Harden, you know, he had his ups and downs against Alfruq uh, Aminu and hit that three-pointer late in the fourth with Aminu basically going for the block, almost got it, nails that three, Prigioni gets the steal, then Harden uh, drives and draws Aminu's sixth foul. That was probably the swing in the game where the Rockets just completely took control, I thought. Um, But did James Harden, in your opinion, sort of change the the, the story uh, that he's going to be a guy who struggles in the playoffs? It's interesting to me to, to look at, at something I tweeted right before that sequence you referenced happening. Uh, when James Harden came back into the game, he looked a little bit passive for just a couple possessions in a row where he enabled, I think, Prigioni once one, one offensive possession and Corey Brewer and another to, to run a play or, or initiate the offense when really the ball should have been in his hands. And I tweeted about it. I said, you know, at this point, he has to showcase who he is and he has to be the one that carries his team down the stretch. And then he responded immediately after that tweet. But my point is this. Someone kind of responded saying, well, look, he always struggles in the postseason. I think maybe we need to kind of put that to bed. He averaged 28.4 points, 7.8 assists, and 3.4 rebounds, 3.8 rebounds in a series, and shot relatively well, 53.5 50 throw percentage, only missed two free throws the entire series, 96.2%. On how many attempts? On 52 attempts. That's insane. So, So let's think about how well he played. Maybe not spectacularly well other than game three, but a very consistent, solid performance for five games from your best player, which you needed from him. So I think anything you put up those kind of numbers, you recognize that he was fantastic. And maybe we kind of get beyond what he did against Oklahoma City, what he did against Portland, and understand that maybe he is just a better and a different player than he was his first two years in Houston. You know, i got to talk to you about Josh Smith. Um, it's unbelievable we actually, you know, we're talking about whether to, to add this guy to this team, that the Rockets could could add a quality big man, a who was so versatile like this and could come into the first round of the, of the playoffs and have this kind of impact. I want to just look at, just read off his numbers. 17.4 points per game in this series, the five games, in 25.6 minutes per. Uh, gave you 6.4 rebounds, 3.8 assists. He shoots 51.5% from the field and over 39% from three-point range. He hit 9 of 23 from, from deep, which is just crazy. But for perspective on that, Dirk was 4 of 17 from three-point range. Dirk Nowitzki. Uh, Josh Smith destroyed Dirk, I thought, in this series. I've never seen a series where there was such a hole on the defensive end that you could exploit time and time again. I think Josh Smith was tailor-made to exploit that situation. I was surprised the Rockets didn't go to it more tonight than they did. And there were opportunities for them to exploit it even more. Uh, I thought they kind of went away from it in spots when they didn't need to. But let's, to underscore your point... 58.3 effective field goal percentage for Josh Smith. Look, no one can expect that from him through the course of the postseason. It was gravy to an extent that he shot the ball that well, but maybe he's found a little bit of something in terms of his comfort level that would be a huge boon to this team. If he's going to be the wild card, I think that, that, that plays well for the Rockets because of his passing ability, because of his ability to see over the defense and make things happen. He's a solid defensive player. Um, he does so many little things for you well that if he's going to play at a high level, it really means the Rockets have a very good chance of advancing another round in the postseason because I think it was pretty clear that Harden and Howard are, are entrenched as star players in the postseason. They're going to give you what they're always going to give you. You need that third wheel to kind of come in and do some fantastic things, and Josh Smith was that third wheel of the series. 
another huge positive for the Rockets in this series. I think we've been talking about it for a while. Dwight Howard was just uh, it just looked fantastic throughout. I mean, this was a guy who earlier in the year, I mean, there were fans, many fans, saying, you know, this is just this is a, a telltale sign that he's on the way down. Uh, you know, we're going to be stuck with a, a contract, what have you. Um, he looked fantastic, had all kinds of spring in his legs, uh, comes up with 16.6 points, 13.8 rebounds, and 3.0 blocks uh, in the series. Just looked like the old Dwight Howard, and have we sort of put to bed uh, this question about his knee? Yeah, he's springy, and uh, there were a couple moments, even late in the game, where he's skied for rebounds, and I'm, and I'm thinking, this is what they need to see from him. Uh, we can all debate whether or not that they should run more stuff for him as a post player or operate more with him as a pick and roll, rolling to the basket, offensive threat. But that's neither here nor there. I think what's most important is that he physically looks like a dominant player defensively, and he can give you a lot of punch offensively in certain situations. And that's huge for this team moving forward because whoever they play next is going to feature a front line that's going to give the Rockets some problems, whether it be the Clippers with Blake Griffin and DeAndre Jordan, whether it be the Spurs with Tim Duncan and the cavalcade of foreign players who can kind of come in and do some things as well. They need Dwight Howard to be the Dwight Howard that we saw in this series, a physical threat, an energetic, high, uh, you know, high motor kind of player with great athleticism. If he can be that for another round, it gives him a fighting chance to advance again. You know, I uh, I almost felt bad at times for, for Tyson Chandler. I mean, not only, you know, I, I say up until that punch, and I want to ask you about that as well, but, uh, you know, Chandler, not only they lose, does he lose the series and is he outmatched, because I think a lot of the, the bigs, you know, with Dirk out there, he was pretty much the lone big playing defense. But this is, he's going up against Dwight Howard. This is the guy that Mark Cuban wanted ahead of Tyson Chandler, let Chandler go in order to create that cap room to pursue Dwight. Um it got to be a painful loss for him, I'm sure. And, and the Mavericks, you know, I, this is kind of what I wanted to ask you about. That this is this team is is probably heading down. I mean, they're gonna they're gonna need a Lamarcus Aldridge size acquisition to sort of right the ship because Dirk's gonna be 37 next year. Half that team, way more than half that team's uh, gonna be free agents. They traded away their 2016 first round pick. It's only top seven protected uh, for the Rajon Rondo trade, and we already know Rondo wants out. Either that or, Car- or Carlisle's gone. Uh, where do you think Dallas, I mean, granted, it's, a, it's an explosive offensive team, but where do you think this team goes from here? I think you were giddy the other night about the opportunity for the Rockets to stick a fork in this organization. Yes. It's presently constructed. Yes. And, and it's interesting. I think I knew this, but I didn't know this. They've lost four consecutive playoff series since winning the championship in 2011. Yeah. Now, that's, that's huge. When, when you take the big picture view of that, it seems like a long time ago when they won that title because they've lost in the first round every year since then. And, and Domitsky, I love Dirk. I, I love him. One of my favorite players in, in recent years. But he's an absolute liability defensively, and I don't think he has anything left on that side of the court. He's still a plus offensive player, clearly, but you can't expect him to carry your team anymore at his age and how much he's done through the course of his career. And Rick Carlisle, I think, said the number was 11 of potential free agents from this team going into the summer. The potential is there for them to have a huge makeover as, as a franchise and only bring back a Chandler Parsons who may need microfactor surgery, a Chandler Parsons, I mean, a, a Dirk Nowitzki, and having to rebuild around those two guys. And, and I think as we've known them as a team led by Dirk, with Tyson Chandler, with other components in and out over the course of the last, you know, six, seven, eight years, they're done. I think yeah. the Rockets finished them tonight, and what we see moving forward from Mavericks will be a completely reconstructed team. 
you know, I will say if they're going to try to to keep moving forward with this, let Rondo go, and they bring back Monte Ellis, I would not be surprised if we see a carbon copy of last summer where they do something with Patrick Beverly. I'm not talking about a max contract like they gave to Parsons, but, you know, Beverly's walking into restricted free agency. Beverly is a fit there because Monte Ellis, as we saw with Rondo, he likes to be the guy handling the ball. So does Rondo, but Beverly doesn't need that. So to me, I, I could see them pursuing Beverly if that's the route they're going to go, as in, hey, we, we're, we're going to give it one more go with Dirk. But we'll, we'll see what happens this summer. Uh, what did you think of the Tyson Chandler punch thing, game four? I mean, granted, it's series over. It's pointless to, I mean, it's not something that matters anymore. But did you think that was a punch? I didn't think it was a punch. But in the same vein, I kind of recognize that's who Tyson Chandler is on the court. And, and he, he tries very, very hard to make things chippy. He, he plays with a chip on his shoulder. He likes to engage other centers in fisticuffs beyond the whistle or beyond the play itself as the action is moving elsewhere. And I thought, by and large, Dwight Howard did a pretty decent job of avoiding that. He got involved on occasion. I understand that because that kind of play is going to be frustrating to a player like Dwight. But I think that's just what Tyson Chandler brings to the table. So I wasn't really that shocked by it all. And I was a little bit surprised that people were talking about that he should be suspended. I didn't think it was that big of a deal because it's par for the course from him. And again, I think to, to underscore your point, you know, Dwight Howard kind of handed him his lunch through the course of the yeah. series, and it has to be frustrating for a guy with that level of pride who's been a fantastic defensive player for a number of years to not really have much of an answer for Dwight inside A and then B, having to cover for everybody else's mistakes defensively. That load has to be a, a, a inordinate for a guy like him, and I think there are moments where he just pulled over. Yeah, you know, we were waiting for Mikhail uh, to, to, to talk to us uh, before the game today, and you and I were chatting. I think there were a couple other media members there uh, chatting. And somebody came up behind me, and I just felt this fist kind of hit me to my left shoulder and kind of almost knocked me over. And I, I, I was, like, kind of stunned. And I turned it to my left, and I looked, and it was Matt Bullard walking by me. And he turns and he smiles, and he says, that wasn't a punch. And uh, I, I couldn't help but laugh. But, you know, I think it was funny that, uh, you know, Bull was thinking the same thing. I, I, I thought it was a swing. I, I think it would have been a shame. Uh, to you know, win the series with him out because people would use that as a crush rather than than this emoji tweet that's become the oh, <laughs> become the story of the series. But you know, that we won't uh, dive into that. What was in your overall you know summation? Thirty seconds. What would you say is the story of the series? The Rockets were a better team, and I think they toyed around in Game Four when they should not have done so. Otherwise, it would have been a sweep. And, and maybe there were some competitive moments through the course of this series. And I think, again, that gives credit to the Mavericks. But I think the Rockets, from top to bottom, were the better team, better offensively, much better defensively, just better prepared for, for all the things that can kind of come. And it's interesting. And, and I'm not going to disparage Rick Carlock. I, I have the utmost respect for him as a coach. But it was interesting hearing him kind of go to the injury card in his opening statement tonight about, about, yeah, about why they lost this series. And that was, that's not why they lost the series, because the Rockets are playing without Patrick Beverly and Donatus Wodeunas, who are much better players than the players that the Mavericks are missing at this point of the game. So, you know, they're, they were done as a franchise. The Rockets finished them off. And I think the Rockets understood tonight, let's just play like the better team. And when it came down to it in the fourth quarter, and Dallas was still hanging on and still fighting their way through it, Terrence Jones hit a couple big shots. James Harden made a couple big plays. And he created the distance necessary to finish this thing off. And that's a sign of a good team. Now, how things play out in the next round, that remains to be seen. But for all that we've talked about with where they are, they had to get over this hurdle of losing the first round. They've done that. Now the world of possibilities opens up for this group. 
You know, I think you're, you're right about the uh, the injuries. I mean, Parsons would have helped the Dallas Mavericks. There's no no question about that. But Moe Yunus would have helped the Rockets a great deal. Of absolutely. And Beverly, the same story. You look at that. I mean, you looked at uh, Terrence Jones just laboring through the first three quarters tonight. Uh, Demo could have certainly uh, been a huge option for the Rockets. And Beverly, I mean, the point guard defense, especially in that game four where Berea just lit them up, uh, you know, could have been a, a, a big factor as well. Uh, you know, free throw shooting, it, huge story in this series. Uh, both Dwight and uh, Josh Smith shot in the 40 percentile range uh, for the series. Um, we saw uh, Rick Carlisle go to the hacker rocket strategy at times. I thought tonight we saw quite a bit. Um, and, you know, if it's San Antonio or the Clippers, we're going to see this probably a lot. I'd say more with San Antonio than we would with, with, uh, with L.A. and Doc Rivers just because he's got the same type of situation <laughs> with DeAndre Jordan. But, uh, you know, those are – and defense. I thought the defense at times in this series by the Rockets was, was weak. I don't know how much of this is Beverly, but I didn't think the defense was great down the stretch of the season as well after they lost Beverly. Um, so I, that's, those are two of my big concerns. But who do you think is a better uh, – uh, who should the Rockets be wanting? I know they say hey, it doesn't matter, but I mean, should they be looking for the Clippers or the, or the Spurs? Here? I think you have to hope for the Clippers simply because you never know when the Clippers are going to, where they're going to be mentally at, at any point in time. And even look at the game tonight, as we have it set up in front of us, they're showing my five at home with three minutes left and the game makes the Spurs. I think the Spurs, you know, their weakness is only that their age is eventually going to catch up to them and you don't know when that's going to happen. But obviously, they're, they're playoff tested, they're in test on the floor, too, cannot be. Um, debated at all, and they have the components in place to pick apart anybody with their offense. So, the, the Rockets' best-case scenario is the Clippers finding some sort of way to pull the series out, which is not looking very good right now, and, 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 and engaging the Rockets in a series to where you have two teams as presently constructed, not accustomed to being on this level. I think the Clippers, as much as they've been a, a talking point among the league in the last few years since the acquisition of Chris Paul, they haven't really done squat in the postseason. And you'll be talking about two squads that haven't gotten to the Western Conference Final with their current roster of players. So that opens up a better opportunity in my mind for the Rockets to do something fantastic in the second round. They're going against a team that, yeah, they've messed up well the past couple years with Dwight Howard, but man, you just never want to bet against the Spurs. And I think I would be much more hesitant to bet against the Spurs than I would betting against the Clippers, even though the Clippers have better overall front-line play given their, their situation with the Rockets injuries. Yeah, I, I'm with you 100% on that. I'd rather have the Clippers. Uh, I mean, I think either one will be a good series. I think if the Rockets play like they do it, did at times in this series, they're going to fall in this next series. They're going to have to play better. But I just think uh, Danny Green and Kawhi Leonard are two outstanding perimeter defenders. I mean, that they can, rope, they can throw in series at uh, Harden. I think it, they just have better weapons to go against the Rockets than the Clippers do. But it's going to be a hell of a series, no matter who they play in the semifinals. Yeah, I think that's I think that's about it, man. That was just a it was a good series. I think it was just a great kind of cathartic, if you will, uh, thing for the Rockets fans because Mark Cuban talks so much trash. I think any Rocket fan who was a diehard fan in last summer and dealt with that when Parsons left and sort of the trolling that went on from from Dallas and their fans, I think this was just therapy in a way it was like hey this is revenge it just sort of fit into what we all wanted to happen i think that was uh certainly how i felt tonight i think that's the only thing that could have made this better if parsons had played given how central he was to all the 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 debate that was going on between the two franchises last summer if he had been a part of this and a rocket still won rather handily i think it makes it that much sweeter for rockets fans but i think by and large the big picture is this 
this team hasn't won the postseason in a long time and hasn't had much success at this level. They needed this, and I think James Harden needed this. I think Dwight Howard needed this, and I think all the collection of role players around them. It was interesting hearing Mikhail go on and on about Josh Smith. They needed it as well. So it, it's, I, I think it's a huge weight off their shoulders. They can kind of approach the next round, understanding they've gotten past this hurdle. And, and, and go for it, recognizing that they have as good of a shot as anybody else at playing in a Western Conference Final against the um, presumably the Golden State Warriors, even though Memphis obviously is looking very good at this stage. You know, Mikhail very bluntly said in the press conference, uh, we don't win this series without Josh Smith. And so kudos to Daryl Morey for adding him. Uh, I think it, for any series win, uh, moving on, the Rockets are going to have to get more out of Trevor Ariza. He struggled, I think. In, I mean, he defensively was there, but I think, uh, you know, his offense certainly both shot both from the field and uh, from three-point range in the 20 percentile range. they got to get more from him in this next series. That gets back into my point earlier about you can't expect Josh Smith to shoot at this level four, five, six, seven more games. I think yeah. you need Trevor Ariza to be that third shooter offensively or scorer offensively to kind of supplement what you're going to get from James Harden and Dwight Howard. And we'll see if they can get past this next series, which, of course, is, is a big if. Um, you know, they, they may get uh, Patrick Beverly back. I saw him uh, at halftime, in fact, walking uh, outside the locker room, had a pretty small red cast on at that point. I'm not, we don't know when he would be back, but he has talked about possibly being back if they were to get to the Western Conference Finals. But it's a great time, man. Great time for Rocket fans. They can watch the NFL draft in peace this week. No, don't uninterrupted. Um, and they can watch the Astros keep winning games. This is unbelievable. Isn't yep. it? I, I'm stunned by that as well. Um, but uh, yeah, they will. They will pick up the Western Conference semifinals uh, this Monday. And uh, MK, man, I think I appreciate you doing this, and uh, we'll we'll pick it up again. Looking forward to it.